Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I hope you've enjoyed your day so far. It's a beautiful day here in the Minneapolis area. I love to see the sunshine and the warm fall weather. It's been great because we know it's coming. And uh, I've got a great show for you. As promised, I've got Patrick uh, joining me in just a minute. Then the Monday Afternoon Mix will happen with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. Then I have a full hour with Dr. Marcus Bachman. Looking forward to that. We are going to uh, get the day started with a little bit of lightness, which is always my friend Patrick Albanese from the great state of Iowa and the prestigious town of West Des Moines. Patrick, welcome. Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you still, you, uh, you still counting the shaves or no? Uh, I, well, yeah, what, 16, 16,127, I think, at last, at last count, right? Yeah, it's been around that now, so it's exciting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's good to keep track. Yeah. So uh, I was uh, thinking about uh, this breakfast uh, place, I, one of my favorite breakfast restaurants, and it's mm. got a little sign up at the cash, the cash register that says, tipping is not a city in Russia. I always thought that was kind of entertaining. In other words, yes. make sure you tip. And it's yeah. been so interesting the way things have evolved because now waitresses oftentimes have those table side devices where they reconcile your bill right at the table. And I always yeah. thought that when the bill came, you had that little moment where you could have a consultation over how things went. And then you sort of made your tip uh, kind of in private and then you left them your bill. Now all of a sudden they stand there holding that little device and you have to tip them. And it seems interesting to me that they have all these tip already in place and they start yeah. at 20%. Yeah, 20, 25, 30. Amounts. I know. Yeah, they're, they're like, they're like Carl Spangler in Caddyshack. How about a little uh, something for the, uh, for the effort? <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's interesting because it used to be when they would drop the check too. It was like that was their their moment to sort of atone for the mistakes made throughout the dinner, <laughs> to say I really do appreciate you coming in this evening, and spending some time with me. You know, so sorry, uh, I messed up the order a little bit, but uh, yeah, I know there's there's almost an a, a, it starts at twenty percent. And then, of course, you've got the customize button, which if you choose that one, then you've got to kind of sweat it out, do the bath in your head. And uh, yep. it just seems that there is uh, less of a moment where you can have that final private decision that you're going to make in terms of how you're going to compensate people. Now, having said yeah. that, I'm all for tipping well. Um, maybe I've been a better tipper in the past. Maybe I'm not as good of a tipper as I am or was once, but I always think uh, people are working hard for their money, and I'm going to try to do my best to to be as generous as I, you know, feel like the service, and then some, right? Yeah, well, and also it seems like, you know, it, I mean, these days, it's like people don't even hand out menus. You scan a QR That's code because they don't want you to touch anything. 
And, you know, half the time it feels like, wow, I, does anybody do anything here anymore? <laughs> so, you know, it's you used to see your server six, seven, eight, nine, ten. In fact, it used to be almost too much. You'd say the food's fine. The food is still fine. And the bite number seven, still pretty good. <laughs> and if, if you could just stop visiting, I will tip extra. That would be fantastic. Yeah. And now, you know, they come by maybe once and they pay a little visit and you're doing everything, you know. I think we were at an Applebee's and you can just do a complete checkout at the table on it. There's a little computer pad they put there. So if you don't even want to see the server again, hmm. you say, I, any, anytime I want to, I can just touch this pad and check out. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, the thing about the, the tipping too, and I don't know, I mean, I, I, I worked as a server for many years. So I, I believe that means I tend to be generous because I lived it, right? You're right. But um, I, I, you know, I, I always thought, gosh, if I if I tip twenty percent, that's considered a good tip. Now that's considered the the minimum, and I don't even know when it changed. I don't know when it when it jumped up uh, to the twenty percent category. Is you know, I, what I don't like is that you remember Kmart used to have the blue light special. Yeah. And they'd have that 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 big blue light, and it was kind of like kind of sound. <laughs> that, yeah. I think that what I don't like is that when Kmart's went out of business, apparently the restaurants got those. And if you only tip 50%, they put that thing on. <laughs> so that's a little embarrassing. Yeah. Okay, I kid. But yeah, it's uh, because I think they go up to 30% and you say, I, you know, it's not that I'm against being generous, but the fact that you have this as an option. I mean, they might as well have one more category that says, oh, heck, take it all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering just if, if they're standing there with their device and they're looking at you and is it, does it feel like it puts you on the spot? I think it does. I think you say, well, I was going to leave, you know, $18. I'll round it up to $20. Not that $2 is going to make or break you or, or them, but it, I think it, I, I believe that pressure is worth a few extra bucks at the end of the day for the, for the server. I mean, I assume that people do things f because they f they have found that it works. Yes. Um, you know, I, I mean, my old days of being a server uh, is uh, often because I'm very good with uh, numbers. Was I would offer to do the math for people. I would hand them the check and say, "If you need help with that, forty percent." <laughs> more more than happy to help you out with the numbers. I'm very good with math. <laughs> uh, that's very funny. So, yeah. are women? Better tippers than men. Um, but you know, I—that's a good question. Uh, now, I used to uh, serve a lot of celebrities at a place I worked at in Hollywood. Uh, Burt Reynolds, traditionally hundred-dollar tip, no matter what. Now, now it's it's if so. Uh, do you do you say? Wanna, gosh, I don't want to say something stupid, but he had the money. He had the money. He did have the money. <laughs> But if he, let's say that he had that he had come in and Lonnie Anderson was picking up the the the, the check at that point in time, and she only tipped fifty dollars, would I say, gee, the women just aren't that good at the tipping thing? <laughs> no, no, you wouldn't say that. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I would say I got fifty dollars from Lonnie Anderson. Uh, so uh, you know, I don't know. Um, I do know this, and I remember I used to dispense this advice as well. Uh, and I think women do this a lot when they're dating. They, they, they see how the, the man that has asked them out on a date, how he tips and how he treats the people that, that serve him. 
and say, if this is the best he can do, <laughs> I don't want to sign up for a lifetime of this. I mm -hmm. think that was the was the golden rule. But I uh, yeah, I mean, do you think you're being cheap if you only give twenty percent? Uh no, but it seems that twenty percent seems to have become the standard. Yeah. And I remember where fifteen percent used to be the standard, and then the twenty percent was like, oh, you've been that's a nice generous bump. Right. Now, now when that's the jumping off point to start at, you go, well, okay, that's fine. You know, I, I'm I'm okay with that um, most of the time, right? Most of the time. Yeah. But, you know, you you used to be with their favorite customer. They used to love it when you came in, and now you think, oh, my gosh, I'm just, I'm a nobody at 20% now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I want my status back, but it's going to cost me. <laughs> yeah. You can, you can get your status back real fast. You just got to pony up another 5% and you're, you're back in the running. As yeah, Mr. I, I don't know if I, you know, I, I think what I, what I liked about, you know, not that things not being automatic and, you know, these days, of course, if it's a party of whatever, six people, they automatically put a tip in and, um, sometimes they just automatically, they, they have the number already figured out. It's not just a percentage, but they say, here's the 20% tip. That'll be, you know, $6 and 15 cents. And, and they've done all of the math for you. Right. But um, I, I guess I just miss the days of when you just you figured it out yourself, you, you did it yourself, and it was just the gift. It was like a, a gift. Here you go. Thanks for the great service. I really appreciate it. But now people want tips for nothing, for no service. Well, I have lived in, in casino towns. I lived in Lake Tahoe for a while, and they expect to be tipped anywhere and everywhere you go pick up your dry cleaners, you're supposed to tip them. Um, everywhere you go, you, you're expected to be uh, to be tipping people. Well, now, the dry cleaners, come on. I know you cleaned out my pockets. <laughs> <laughs> Did you already take your tip? You Come on, that's tip enough. I know there was a 20 in one of those pants pockets. There was a 20. Yeah. Because I'm missing it. Yeah, I, I, there are, maybe that's because that's sort of a resort town. And I think you can kind of put pressure on tourists that come in and don't know the custom. Sure. Um, you know, years ago when I went to Japan, now they don't tip in Japan, at least they didn't at the time. It's, it's been quite a few years since I've been there. And I had to think they loved it when Americans came there because it's terrible. You sit in a restaurant, you get service, they bring you the bill and you pay the bill and you say, I can't walk out of here without leaving a tip. And, and, and of course the, the custom is we don't leave a tip. But you're, you know, no, but we, but I have to, I cannot not leave a tip. Right. And so you put money down and they have to look at these Americans and think, I love these people. They just <laughs> throw money around. Right. Right. And then what about the, the tip jar? Are you a fan of the tip jar? And do you want to put money in if, if they don't see you putting money in? Oh, no, 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 no. You got to see me put the money in. <laughs> because then how do you know that I tipped? So exactly. I, not, right. You're not that getting puts credit. Me back in the, right. I want when I walk in the door, I want them to say he's here. <laughs> <laughs> it's that guy. <laughs> yeah. Be nice to him. He always tips, you know, and I, I will sometimes make a, like a silly show of it as I you know, like you pay for the coffee or, or whatever, wherever you happen to be. And then sometimes uh, as I'm putting my uh, debit card back, I will reach in and find like an old one dollar bill and i'll be like, oh, I, ca I can't possibly have this in my possession. <laughs> Is there a place I could put this? In fact, you want to know a funny trick I used to do uh, when I was a server is you'd get, when you'd get a lot of cash tips, if I got uh, 
ugly looking bills. I always hung on to the ugly looking bills. And whenever I gave people their change, I gave them the ugly looking bills. <laughs> so they and would maybe just turn and leave those bills. They would leave those. I was like, I can't put that in my wallet. That oh, that's funny. That's funny. It, and I made a lot more money that way. Oh, the devious mind kept... of Patrick Albanese. This is fascinating. I did not know any uh, of this. Yes. Well, yeah. it's new information. I hope this, I, I am not lowered in the eyes of the listener. I hope you're not either. But we'll take no. a break and then maybe we'll see some text come in and say, yeah, Patrick's off my list. Well, we don't know. But I'm talking to Patrick Albanese. Albanese, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. We'll be right back with lots more. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. Welcome back to the show. Happy Monday to you. I always like to start with my friend Patrick from Iowa. And Patrick... Uh, we had a chat over the weekend, which I found very entertaining when we were chatting about how people uh, would really do you a service if they made a uh, observation about your behavior and you said, boy, you kind of caught me on that one. Thanks a lot. And you moved on. But right now there's so much denial in the world that it's really hard to get the honest truth and get it communicated in ways that people receive it. It's quite a mystery. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty off-putting when, you know, if, if somebody were to say, wow, yeah, I guess you're right. You really caught me in a moment of hypocrisy and, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, I guess I was lying to myself as well as to you, my friend. And I thank you. Thank you for that. Well, don't. You know, we, don't, we, we, we don't, double down, don't yeah, we? Yeah, we do. Well, don't we all kind of admit to that we have four or five blind spots in life? And if they're blind spots, how do we see it? Yeah, we do need... Rosie like said 10. New... Rosie said 10, 10 blind spots. Yeah, she just held up 10 fingers. Yeah. Well... So that's how bad those blind spots are. I only saw six <laughs> of the blind spots. <laughs> but if it's uh, done... You know, it's, we need those blind spot detectors. Yeah, but if that's it's done... That's what friends are. Yeah, that's yeah. what friends are for. If it's done lovingly, don't you go, oh, I guess you kind of caught me there in a little bit of a hypocritical moment. Thank you. Well, and, you know, I... I you know, it's funny. We, we love to throw the word hypocrisy around. It seems to be the greatest sin is not that you is that you did something, but you 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 spoke that you know, you know people shouldn't do this, and then you went and you did it. Uh, and I think you could find any human being on hi- hypocrisy somewhere in their life. You know, um, I mean, I, I think of the number of times I, I try to stay healthy, right? I try to eat well, and uh, I'm sure you've had the people dispensing diet advice over a key lime pie. <laughs> <laughs> right. You could say, you know, I'm just finding this a little bit on the hypocritical side, but just a, t- a tad hypocritical. But I wouldn't take anybody too much to task for, for being a little bit hypocritical. Key lime pie is delicious. And it's, it's a part of the battle of trying to eat healthy is trying to resist those delicious tasting foods that aren't necessarily all that good for you. So, yeah, but I, how would that be? Yeah, if if somebody were to just, you know, in a way, just surrender the moment. I don't know. I think know. I was. T- yeah, I think I was. I told you a story of a place I had worked. Uh, I had just gotten hired there, and the previous place I had worked, they had very strict cleaning protocols. 
uh, for keeping the place spotless and beautiful. And you had to polish brass and you had to oil the, the, the wood in the establishment so that it had that glow to it. And uh, I mean, it was a top to bottom once a week scrubbing. And I get hired at this new place. I'm excited to work there, but it's filthy. And so uh, in a little bit of my free time on some of the lunches that I worked, it was a restaurant, uh, I started cleaning up and the boss comes in at the end of my shift one day and she she sees all this polished brass and this clean everything. She says, oh, who did this? Who did this? And I said, me? I mean, she was really upset. I said, oh, I did it. She's, and she calmed down immediately. She goes, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just not used to people confessing, <laughs> you know, admitting. And she was actually more upset that the other employees would be expected to carry out the same cleaning protocol that I had now introduced to the place. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, but but it caught her off guard. I think the thing that caught her off guard was that I said, "That was me." I did that. <laughs> yeah, you just fessed up. Just, yeah, and she, her her response was, "I am sorry. I didn't mean to get too angry." Just that nobody ever admits anything. <laughs> I'll just turn and go. I don't know who did it. I'll find out for you. So, uh, now you might catch people off guard just by, you could avoid a lot of arguments, I think, too. But if we have if somebody, blind spots, and Rosie says there's 10, and we're going to yeah. uh, be people who are going to listen to our friends and our loved ones who care about us and love us, are we going to respond lovingly and go, oh, boy, that you, I appreciate you pointing that out. That actually is going to be helpful to me. Yeah. That would be, well, you know, my, I mean, our car, my car has a blind spot detector. Now, I'm driving along and it says, you have a high opinion of yourself. So, <laughs> 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 no, I no, don't, uh, I don't have that, that but uh, yeah, it's, uh, we, we, we love having blind spot detectors and you think of the, the it, they save us. They save us from being blindsided by something. I think we can deceive ourselves so much and then we wonder what went wrong in a situation. You know, how did a relationship fall apart or, you know, we all know about ignoring red flags. Um, but we often talk about red flags when they're red flags we see in other people and we don't want to hear about the ones that we have. You know, am I putting up red flags that I should be seeing on my own? Yeah. And who hasn't put the a little... The answer is no, by the way. Yeah, right. No. And who hasn't put a little duct tape on a light on your dashboard? Oh, gosh. I can make that go away. I can make that go You know, I mean, the, the old TV sets used to bang on the side. That's true. And, you, and, you know, you didn't call the repair guy until the banging on the side didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I've done the yeah, the duct tape over the uh, the new cars. Of course, there's so many lights. It's very pretty. And I, I had with a new car once, I had them all go off at once. And it turned out that there was, you know, some sort of problem. And I said, I I kind of want to keep driving like this because this is really beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one time they all went off for me, I was in a boatload of trouble. I had um, an, a part electric car, and it was the warning signs that the battery was uh, dying. And, boy, everything lit up at once. It was very pretty <laughs> until I found oh, out the yes, repair bill was $3,600. That's even less pretty. That's way I less found pretty. Out the you know, that big rain we had this week, I found out that um, I have an extra speed on my windshield wipers that I was not aware that was there. So I have the slow, I have the fast, and then there's the you really should pull over to the side of the road speed. <laughs> that uh, just comes with a warning. says, if, you're, if your wipers are going this fast, you should not be driving. 
We've all been in those rains before where the, the wipers on full speed almost are making no difference. Yeah. It's like yeah, it's I mean, one bucket of water being thrown on your windshield after another. Uh, you have, and you say, I'm afraid to pull over because there could be somebody there. I could get hit getting pulled over. Yeah. I, you know, how did I find myself here? Oh, I remember as the rain started getting worse and worse, I kept going. And we do that in life, don't we? Yeah. Yep. We have a good warning sign. It's like, this might be a good time to pull over to the side of the road. There's a little rest stop over there. You could take a small nap or something, wait for this to pass. And instead you say, oh, what's 26 more miles in this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you're a, you're a happy dad today. You just had your uh, parent-teacher conferences, and you got a nice report on your, your two beautiful kids. Yeah. we. I mean, it's uh, every now and then you, you get to say to yourself, so far, so good. Yeah, right. And, um, you know, their teachers were gushing about them. Um, we, and, of course, we enjoy that. That's that's very satisfying. And, uh, you know, you want to take a lot of the credit, but and you can't say all the credit is yours. You know, I, I we, we've made some decisions, I think, that you say these were the right things to do. Uh, you try to raise them well. You know, we have them, they're doing power life at the church now. And you hope that, you know, all the various things that the programs we've had them in at the church, we hope that that's helped shape the direction they go and, you know, the way that they work with others and share with others and, uh, you know, uh, take care of others. And so you say, well, did I, did I do that? Or is that just the word of God hard at work and working through children Well, it, where they're learning well? Yeah. Your kids love going to the church programs, which is really nice because you're not pressuring them. They, they're they there because they enjoy being there. That's always a good sign. Well, plus uh, some Wednesdays they do have the walk-in tacos, which are delicious, by the way. Yeah. Motivation have you ever had the walk-in tacos? Yeah. What, what are they called? It's a bag of Doritos. They're walking tacos. They take a bag of Doritos, rip the top open, and put taco meat and cheese in there. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of that until now. Rosie's looking at me like, it's... well, you don't know walk-in tacos? I've never oh, heard of delicious. that. Oh, walking tacos are delicious. Huh. Yeah, yeah. I, but I yeah, I, it's, yeah. How did you miss it? I, I don't know. I don't know. So uh, you're going to go buy some Doritos on the way home. I think today. Got a couple of nice comments on the tipping segment we talked about earlier. Uh, yeah. Tom said, "My favorite tip is to tell friends is this: don't buy land at night or in winter." <laughs> <laughs> and I would never tell a server this as they work hard, but we, we usually tip in the fifteen to twenty percent range. Very generous. I think that is still generous. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Does it, uh, you know, do you suddenly become that grandpa that says, here's a quarter? (laughs) I don't know. I hope not. Catherine said, I'm not uh, sure if people even realize anymore if a person is a good tip or not when the tip is included. I don't think anybody thinks about it. And I know that we tip well. And when we go out, I don't see a difference in our service when it's included. Boy, I, I know, having been a server for so long, you did the the, the good tippers, you took even better care of. Because you say, true. this person has higher expectations, and they're going to reward me for it. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right thing to do, but uh, we're, we're humans after all. Yeah. And you say, oh, there's that guy. I know. We're not going to solve it today. Guy. Yep. So we'll Here's a there. thought, by the way, a little takeaway thought for everybody. You wouldn't worry so much about what others think of you if you realized how seldom they do. Yeah, good point. Patrick, have yeah. a great day. Thanks, you too. You bet. Patrick Albanese has been my guest to get this Monday started. We'll be back with the Monday Afternoon Mix. PDM, Rosie B. Be right back.
Welcome to the Monday Afternoon Mix. We've got Pastor David Miles, Rosie B., and we are uh, ready and all set to go. We're talking about retaliation. You mean reconciliation? (laughs) Retaliation. Oh, yeah. We're we're trying to get to reconciliation, but, you know, that would be a helpful end to any of the things that are dealing with retaliation. Yeah. So you've got two friends. Maybe they have a fight or an argument. It's a relationship they once really enjoyed. And it's really strained to the the point where it's almost going to end. And they aren't speaking to each other. And that's pretty awkward. And so we have to do something to reconcile. Yeah, it would be really critical to do that. And we, we see that so much in Scripture, Bill. Um, you know, we have to remember, like, Psalm 130, verse 7 says, How pleasant it is. When brothers dwell in unity, it's like the dew on the Mount of Hermes, and it's like oil flowing down the beard of Aaron, and Aaron was the high priest. And so literally how much God really desires for there to be unity and for there to be reconciliation uh, between us, because he's provided for us in the death of his son. So let's talk about what the Bible says about retaliation. Let's do that. Yeah. Because that, that's really our guide for things. You know, we come back to Second Timothy 3, that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, correction, reproof, and training, so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And, uh, you know, I think it's important for us always to be resting in Scripture and not necessarily uh, what our culture would say, because our culture would say, yeah, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. So we're, we're returning evil for evil, which is not God's intent. And God wants us to live beyond these kind of these natural responses that we have, these feelings of wanting a pound of flesh or to retaliate. Yeah, and Bill, why do you, why do you think, or you too, Rosie, like, what is it about us that knowing how we feel when a wrong has happened to us, like, makes us want to retaliate, to, to actually inflict the same amount of pain upon other people? Like, what drives that? My guess would be your ego has been bruised. And that doesn't feel good ever. That'd be my guess. Rosie? Or I was thinking you don't feel taken care of, and so maybe you have a situation where people haven't watched out for you, a parent, older siblings, friends, so it... So there are people that you love or have close relationship have, instead of protecting and having unconditional love with you, have hurt you in some way. Mm. Press more into that, Rosie. Uh, well, I, I think that there's this being a parent. I know that I have felt firsthand that she bear instinct to protect my flock and my young and especially when they were young. But, and in that, in that protection, there is a assurance of um, trust and that they can be taken care of because the world can be a tough place, right? So if you are moved to a point of woundedness where you want to retaliate for yourself, that tells me potentially that there might have been a lot of wounds in your life where you can't trust the people in your life to love you through it or see you clearly. And really what, you know, David and Bill, what it boils down to 
for me is not understanding God's unconditional love for yourself because the world disappoints, but Jesus does not. So you, whatever wound that you have, potentially there's a sign that you haven't taken it to the Lord for healing. Yeah. Would, would you say, Rosie and Bill, like sometimes when um, we find ourselves kind of, you know, what's the, the term, a short fuse or easily flared up over the smallest things, that there might be some, some warning lights that are going going on on the dashboard? <laughs> we just talked about those warning lights on the dashboard yes, with we Patrick did. Albanese. And way to tie it together, David. Yeah, I don't know if you heard that, David, but yeah, sometimes we just take duct tape and put it over the lights on the dashboard. <laughs> which is a common way of ignoring a problem, which I think we can also be good at doing in personal relationships. Mm -hmm. And whenever we do any kind of retaliation, we're always trying to take matters into our own hands, which I don't think ever ends well. I can't think of one time. Yeah, and I think, Bill, you guys have hit upon a couple really important things. Sometimes even the retaliation, it's kind of like there's been a number of wounds as you were saying, Rosie, early along the way, there's been a lot of buildup. And, and I think Scripture kind of, it, it keeps reminding us to keep, you know, short accounts with one another. Um, you know, Hebrews 12, 15 says, you know, see to it uh, that there be not a bitter root that rises up and therefore defile many. And, um, you know, we see this in our world that when people, people retaliate, like in, in harsh and sometimes really, um, really kind of over-the-top ways, uh, it ends up not only affecting them and the other person, but it ends up affecting a number of people around them. And, and you know, I'm just wondering, David, and I always do this to uh, wonder out loud with you. I wonder, too, if the retaliation also have roots in expectation, so you have an expectation of a response from perhaps a destructive person in your life and the expectation has not been met and yeah. or will or won't be met. And so that also is that seed for that bitter root, correct? Correct. I would say that you're you're very much right about that and and sometimes we don't realize that we have expectations until they're not met or they're violated. And all of a sudden, it's like you're, you're, you're realizing, wow, I did expect something out of that. And, you know, one of the things is that sometimes we set people up uh, almost like we set them up for failure, and sometimes we don't even like, realize, and sometimes we do. There's this term called covered contracts. And so covered contracts is the idea of you're making agreements with people, but you've never actually sat down to come to an agreement together. So it would look something like this, you know, um, you know, some some guy is thinking to himself, hey, you know, I did X, Y, Z. I cleaned X, Y, and Z. I did all these various things. And it might have seemed from the benevolence of their heart that they were doing it. But on the other side of it, they're thinking to themselves that if I do X, Y, and Z, my spouse or my kids, they're going to respond in that way. Now, was there an agreement made with them? No. So that when they come home and they don't reciprocate that thing, all of a sudden we, you know, as the younger kids say, we get salty and we kind of get an attitude. And and sometimes we don't even realize that that's part of it is that we have this expectation that if I did A, 
you were going to do B. And mm-hmm. it's kind of that quid pro quo relationship, the thought that it, it has to be that way. But we've, we've never actually had a conversation with that person, and we've imposed our expectations upon them unfairly. Well, that's very interesting because that also seems like that opens the door to more of a control mindset. And I always think of retaliation more coming from a wounded mindset. That is uh, that is a fascinating thought, Rosie. And I I think you're you're hitting upon something good. And that's the beauty about our importance uh, in getting in God's word and being in communication community with one another, because you're right, we can think of retaliation as, as just this negative thing and miss that we can be thinking, okay, how do I control this person, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes, like you said earlier, there can be control from, like, I want to intently control the person. And one of the things, too, going back to something I think you both said, Sometimes, like, unaddressed wounds in our life, they cause certain coping mechanisms. You know, and when we've grown up as a child, and maybe it's been in that place of deprivation, those coping mechanisms might have worked because, you know, hey, we were eight years old. We, you know, like, we didn't know any better. Like, we are just trying to survive. But then sometimes we grow up and we bring those with us. And we kind of impose those on our adult relationships, sometimes knowingly, a lot of times maybe unknowingly, where out of our fear, we're like, how do I, how do I kind of set the stage to have people respond in a certain way to me? Yeah, that's a very interesting point, uh, David, because some of the things we learn in childhood certainly surface in our adult lives, and they might feel very natural to us and very much a part of how we think, even if it's not healthy. Well, and I think, too, Scripture gives us so many boundaries and confirmation on um, putting down healthy boundaries with destructive relationships. But I don't think Scripture, I can't think of one time where Scripture says it's okay to have personal, vigilant justice um, against somebody. So I, I, I feel like there's such a strong difference there because you can be in an unhealthy relationship from and perhaps you got there from previous wounds and it's okay to have healthy boundaries around that but that's not retaliation that's loving the person that you are as God created you and helping and welcoming other people into healthy relationship but that's very different than what I think a retaliation would be would you know would be something so bold as throwing eggs at somebody's house because they've called you names or something to that effect. That's different. And I don't think scripture yeah. gives us any room for that. But I do, I do think scripture gives us room to have healthy boundaries. Okay, throwing eggs sounds like fun. But I, <laughs> I, I do appreciate your point, Rosie. And, of course, our what God wants us to do is, is to forgive, not to retaliate. Right. And we learn about that all over scripture. And a line that Billy Graham said that which I've always appreciated is it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict God's job to judge and my job to love so if I'm out to retaliate I'm probably not loving no well, I'm not probably I am not loving nope right and Bill you know you really highlight a really beautiful passage in second Timothy chapter 2 and I'm going to turn there because it, it actually speaks to the way of responding 
to even like difficult types of relationships and situations. You know, so Second Timothy chapter have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind of able to teach, patiently enduring evil. And I think that's the part that causes patience. Mm-hmm. Like, and then it says, correcting his opponents with gentleness. And when we're talking about uh, retaliation, gentleness is not the word that comes to mind. It's almost like a one-upping. But here's the interesting switch. So this is what Paul tells Timothy to do. Then in verse 25b, it says, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. And in these verses, you see this responsibility that we have in our response towards other people, and prayerfully asking God and having God do his work of granting people repentance. And now, and before we get really like, oh, yeah, that person needs repentance, it may very well be that God might be speaking to us and in his grace and mercy saying, nah, you kind of got this one wrong, you know. And in love, I, I, want to, I want to reset you before you retaliate on something. And as the old folks would say, you make you make a mountain out of a molehill. And uh, and then, as, as Rosie was saying earlier, then your ego really gets caught into all of this. Yeah, David and Rosie, that last verse in 2 Timothy 2 is one of the most chilling verses in Scripture where, let me read 25, opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. If that doesn't make you shudder, I don't know what will. Mm-mm. It's one of my favorite prayers when when I see, because, you know, as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, we God gives us insight to see where we're kind of for ourselves and where other people might be straying. You know, he gives you wisdom of when to approach and and all those things but one of the things i love to pray for people comes out of us romans 2 i think it's 2 4 don't you know paul's talking don't you know that it is the loving kindness of god that leads you into repentance and so often you know the holy spirit brings to my heart i need to be praying when i see sin life i need to be praying for an increase of god's loving kindness for that person because it's the holy spirit's job right and sometimes that fuel of prayer behind it can help somebody into a new place of really re- reconciliation with the Holy Spirit before we may ever see it in our own lives, in our own interaction. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, what's, what's super cool, and maybe after the break we can come back to this, because we've spent some rich time in the book of Romans, and Romans 12, on the marks of a true Christian, really hit upon some really critical things about this. But the main thing it kicks off in verse 9 is that let love be genuine. Let it be without hypocrisy. And I think that that's, that's a real key thing of asking God to work in and through, around and even in spite of us uh, in our relationships with one another. All right, we'll take a little break. The Monday afternoon mix is happening with Pastor David Miles, Rosie B. We'll be right back.
Monday afternoon mix. Pastor David Miles is an adjunct professor right here at the University of Northwestern and pastor at New Hope Church in New Hope, Minnesota. Rosie B. is the producer of the afternoon show. I don't know what I'd do without her. Ah. 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 We were just chatting, David, at the break about that first and 26 and pray that they'll come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. And Rosie's got another uh, comment on that, which I think comes out of Second Corinthians. It does. So, David, um, this summer when I was uh, praying, and this actually has a lot to do with something opposite of retaliation. So in Second Corinthians, and I can't think, is it Second Corinthians 15? I'm not sure, but it talks about that Satan was the one who puts up the veils up before us so our eyes can't hear and our ears eyes can't see and our ears can't hear and he's the one that is manipulating the strongholds and so it occurred to me that one of my jobs as a brother and sister in Christ for others that are in my life is to yes ask for God to intervene but also to understand what I'm asking for which is to tear down those veils bring down those strongholds because aren't we all, we were talking about this in the previous episode with Patrick Albanese, we all have blind spots, right? And so I would love for my people who know me to be praying against my blind spots to get my heart ready so I can see something different. That Satan's been the one that's been manipulating. Yeah, you're you're spot on on that, Rosie. And Second uh, Corinthians 4.4, 4, it talks about how the God of this world has blinded their eyes to the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, that is one of the big things with the enemy, that he seeks to just blind our eyes uh, to these various things. And, and that's one of the reasons why God puts us in community. And I can't stress enough today, if you're driving home and you're not in community uh, with a church family or other people, I just strongly want to encourage you to do so. Because as Rosie hit, we, we all have blind spots. And, uh, and in community, we can actually see those things resolved. So one of the Bible passages, uh, actually one of the books of the Bible, uh, is the book of Philemon. And in the book of Philemon, you have Onesimus, who's a slave, who's lost Philemon, and Paul actually intervenes in between the two of them to seek to bring reconciliation in that, in that relationship. You know, Bill, if we go back to the beginning of our Sermon on the Mount series, it says, blessed are the peacemakers. Now, that's different than peacemakers. Like, peacemakers really dealing with God's shalom, peace, and the very good. But you see Paul writing a letter to, uh, to Philemon to tell him about Onesimus and this, this infraction that happened between them. And sometimes as believers, God wants us to, to not only know that we have blind spots, be aware of our blind spots, but lovingly walk with other people uh, in ministering that. And that's important for all of us, here clearly, for all of us to have a spirit of humility to willingly receive loving correction from those around us. You know, one of the fun statements that, that's happened in my life is I remember I was talking with Tammy about something, and I was trying to figure out something that had happened more than once, and that after stating it, she paused for a moment and she said, you know what, maybe the issue isn't them, maybe the issue is you. And it was like, okay, ow. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. But if you thought about it, 
she was right. In that particular situation, what was happening is that it was more so my mindset. Now, imagine the fact that she loved me. And guys, hear this. She loved me enough to tell me the truth. Because sometimes faking it, that's not love. And so she was like, you know what? Maybe the situation that you're looking at, this issue is you. And so before I find myself down a road that's in a path that's not necessarily healthy or good for it at all, it's actually being willing to look at it uh, rightfully and having someone lovingly enough to say, hey, you have a blind spot here. David, I think before the break you had talked about some things out of Romans chapter 12 you wanted to bring up. Yeah. You know, we, not letting you off the hook. Well, you're not letting me off the hook. No. Romans 12 is just super rich in so many different ways. Now, um, it's, it's coming back to the driving force of the passage, which is chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Because, Rosie, you brought up the fact of expectations and there's things like that, and that comes into mind with how we think. So I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, like when we first arrest in the mercies God has for us, to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable uh, to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. So I is not being conformed to the world's idea of and this is what Jesus is getting at. You've heard it say, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And Jesus goes on to break down kind of his kingdom values. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, what we're thinking, that by testing you may be able to discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so, so how our mind reacts to this is huge. And then later on in verse 9, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Guys, if we did verse 9, the subject of retaliation takes on completely different dynamics and outcomes. Yeah. Just, absolutely. Yeah. But then to skip down to when Paul finally says in verse 19, Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And, and guys, that's what the rest of this section on retaliation is actually going to have Jesus unpacking for us uh, in a future conversation. It all comes down to attitudes of our heart, doesn't it, David, Rosie? And, and yeah. also the whole Sermon on the Mount, every time we boil and reduce one of the sections of the Sermon on the Mount down, it feels like trust. Like we have to trust our God. We trust him with his unconditional love that he, you know, that he has for us, even though we're undeserving. We trust him with, you know, being our defender. There's so many places in the Sermon on the Mount that's based on trust. Yeah, is. And, you know, Bill, would you mind praying? Because... Right now, even as we're talking, as we close out and our time comes in, there's someone driving home today, and I don't, I don't know who it is. Maybe from one of our wonderful partners in Kansas City or Madison or Hartford, and they're driving home today, and there's some stuff that's happened in their life, and there's a part of that gets wants to get home and say, "Yeah, I'll show this person." I've been waiting all day to say X, Y, and Z, and, 
And would you pray for all of us, Bill? Of course. That we would submit our hearts to the Lord and allow Him to take that rid away and replace it with what He desires? Of course. Heavenly Father, there's plenty of us today that have an injury in our heart, something where we have been slighted or we have felt we did not get our voice heard or maybe someone treated us unfairly and there's injury and hurt and disappointment. And the idea is to retaliate, but we are going to take these thoughts captive to you. We're going to bring them to the foot of the cross and say, we surrender these thoughts. We ask for love and mercy and kindness and not retaliation and anger and uh, revenge. So we're going to leave that with you and trust you to give us the grace and mercy we need in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. David, I will see you uh, next week. Thank you so much. I know you're on the road. You're a little bit uh, uh, bumpy on your cell phone, but thanks for being here with us today. Thank you, guys. You bet. You You bet. That's all for the Monday afternoon mix. After a short break, we're going to spend a whole hour with Dr. Marcus Bachman. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.